This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is a Pro Wrestling Illustrated podcast. I'm your host, PWI senior writer Al Castle, back again with my co-host, fellow senior writer, Dan Murphy. How are you, Dan? I'm doing well, sitting here on the couch with my dog, and my dog's chewing away at a bone, and I'm uh, I'm uh, here doing a podcast. So yeah, yeah, I'm doing all right. Great. As, as we were talking before we got on, uh, for once, I'm the one with the really bad weather, and you there in Buffalo uh, are sitting pretty. Uh, we got... Uh, here in, in the New York, Long Island area, we got slammed today. And looking out my window, it is still pretty brutal. Yeah, it's a balmy 36 here, you know, <laughs> no no clouds in the sky. So it's, it's, spring has arrived. Yeah, <laughs> spring's arrived in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, it is uh, going to be springtime in the wrestling world. And that means WrestleMania season. And a uh, lot to talk about since we last talked. Uh, more developments uh, for sure, involving Ronda Rousey and just overall more of a clear picture of what we will be getting uh, in New Orleans and WrestleMania a couple of weeks. We'll talk a bit about that. We're going to probably start off talking some impact wrestling, uh, which we don't do too much, but some uh, headlines over the last couple of weeks that definitely uh, have a lot of people talking and we'll get into. Um, and then later on, we will hear from um, somebody who's got a, a long history in uh, what was TNA, Impact Wrestling, former Impact Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion Chris Sabin, uh, currently one half of the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, the Motor City Machine Guns, and certainly they had their run in, in TNA uh, as well. We talked last week uh, in advance of a show Ring of Honor had here uh, in Manhattan on Saturday that I went to that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, a rare house show. I was going to say untelevised, but now they've got this... Uh, this network and all their house shows are televised, um, but it wasn't a pay-per-view and it was still a heck of a lot of fun. You got to see some CMLL stars uh, in person, which is kind of a rare opportunity. So uh, thank you to them for uh, setting all that up. Uh, we'll be hearing from Chris in a little bit. Right now, I uh, want to tell you about the current and forthcoming issue of uh, issues of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Um, the current issue, it's got AJ Styles on the cover. It is the Urine Wrestling uh issue with the Achievement Awards, um, but uh, by the time you're hearing this, I think the next issue might have dropped. I think uh, March 9th, maybe, uh, it, it comes out digitally, so stay tuned for that. It's got uh, our report cards, our annual report cards that uh, Dan, you put together. It's got my interview with Alexa Bliss, um, who is going to be heading into WrestleMania as the defending Raw Women's Champion. Um, and much more. You've got a fun uh, feature about WrestleMania, about stars who have never competed uh, at, at WrestleMania and stars that did compete in WrestleMania that you might have forgotten uh, did so. So uh, another fun issue and what you want to do, whether you want to get uh, the current issue, the next issue or all of them, go and subscribe at pwi-online.com. Uh, you can subscribe to the print edition or the digital edition. Um, either way, you could get a, a deep discount over the uh, the cover price. Um, if you do that, the digital edition comes out faster. Uh, the, the, the issue I was just telling you about, the report cards, probably won't be on newsstands uh, or be arriving in your mailbox for a number of weeks. But next week, you'll be able to check it out on your phone, your mobile device, your laptop, what have you. 
Um, so your old-fashioned typewriter, like that's you were right. Using. Dan's <laughs> making fun of my uh, computer here. <laughs> You've got the loudest keyboard I've ever heard. I swear I don't to God, think it's it my keyboard. Good. I think it's my typing style. Lots of typing. Maybe so. that you're banging <laughs> away at that thing here yeah, in the, like, uh, the carriage. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the guy. Remember the Sesame Street uh, pianist? Oh uh, yes, yeah, I do. Oh, I'll never get this right. <laughs> Boom. That's me uh, typing uh, and. Anyhow, uh, if you got your computer open, go again to pwi-online.com and check us out. Um, and uh, follow us on Twitter at OfficialPWI. Find us on Facebook. Send us an email. What is, at, the, uh, what is the email address? I'm sorry. I just cut you off and you're about to say it. What is the email it address? It is pwipodcast at outlook.com. We'd love to get uh, feedback there or, or anywhere, um, whether it's Twitter or what have you. I- Tell us what I you like to, or don't like uh, about the podcast, what we could be doing more of, less of. Yeah, I want to sweeten the pot a little bit here with that email address. Um, I, I've got an email into Stu, and he hasn't said no yet, so I think we ought to – I interpret that as a green light. Uh-oh. I maybe um, have to do some editing here. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, you know, if somebody were to email us at that address and give us their feedback on the show, uh, we've never done a giveaway. I'd like to give away a issue of PWI. We'll send a, a print copy of the magazine to a person if they uh, they kind of email in at that address. Tell us what they think of the podcast, this episode, the Chris Saban interview, anything that we talk about, and uh, we can hook them up. Yeah, sounds good. You, you might end up having to send like, your your own personal issue. If I buy it, and, yeah, I know it's <laughs> yeah, the expenses are tight around the office, but yeah, if it comes out of my pocket, so be it. But uh, yeah, the first person who responds and mentions this episode, we'll make sure we get them a, a copy. Yeah, yeah. And we really do. I know everybody says that, but we really, you know, we've been at this now for three years and change, I think. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, if there's something you like, don't like, every once in a while we find a review somewhere and it can be uh, enlightening and uh, we're all for constructive criticism. So uh, please, by all means. Um, anyhow, uh, Dan, we touched on it again. We don't talk too much about, uh, at least right at the at the outset here, about uh, Impact Wrestling. Uh, but there was uh, a news event that got some attention over the last week um, and uh, created a lot of chatter, maybe for the wrong reasons. Uh, and it was a a match. I've got to admit to not having watched this episode of Impact, but I did see the highlights uh, online. And was it a a straight one on one match with Sammy Callahan and Eddie Edwards? I'm not sure. I don't know the uh, basically, and, and I've got to say, and I mean, you're not alone in, in not having watched Impact because not a lot of Certainly people are not. watching it these <laughs> yeah. days. And and to be honest, man, it, it's stuff like this that that just infuriates me and, and makes me not want to watch. Um, what, what basically happened in the clip that went viral, or, or at least got some play, um, Eddie Edwards is laid out. Sammy Callahan goes outside the ring. The baseball bat that he uses is already in the ring. He grabs a chair. Now, the, the thing that drives me absolutely nuts about all of this is that all of it's preventable, all of it is, is stupid, and all of it is, is uh, needless and reckless, and it's, it's got no end game. Uh, he goes outside the ring, brings a chair in, sets the chair up awkwardly, sloppily, very sloppily, on Eddie Edwards' chest. So sloppily that Eddie has to stop selling momentarily to actually grab the chair and kind of steady it because Sammy just kind of threw it out there. The idea apparently was Sammy was going to take the, the bat, swing it, hit the chair to get the loud effect. And, and, you know, Eddie would probably sell his ribs and maybe come out with tape ribs next time around. The whole thing was dumb. I mean, if you've got a baseball bat and you're going to hit a guy, you don't need the extra chair. Like, that's just complicating things. It's, it's just dumb. Um, but they go out there. Sammy swings the bat, misses the chair. I mean, just whiffs on the chair. 
cranks Eddie Edwards completely head on in, in the face, uh, yeah, fractures his or- orbital bone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, breaks the orbital bone, breaks the nose. Uh, it's uh, very lucky that Eddie didn't lose his eye, uh, that who knows concussion, what, what else could have happened or, or might've happened that hasn't come out. It's an accident. Accidents happen. Here's what really ticked me off about the whole thing. Number one, if, if Sammy Callahan's going to go in there with a real bat and, and, and do this little angle, he has to be in control, and he wasn't in control, and he should be fired. I'm Flat out, if you, if you go out and you do that and you can't control it, I know it's an accident, sorry, you're fired. Any agent that greenlit this to say, okay, you're going to go out there and do this injury angle or do this little thing should be fired too. On top of that, it's not going to build to anything. There was no pay-per-view coming up. There, there was no big money that was going to be made. It, it was needless. It was a senseless spot, and it almost could have gotten somebody killed. And then to make matters worse, after the fact, uh, Impact is going out of the way to, to kind of market this thing. And I know it's happened before. It happened when uh, I think it was Chris Benoit accidentally dropped Sabu and, and broke his neck, and mm-hmm. he, that's where he got the crippler name. Companies will try to turn an angle out of it. But this is a taped show. It didn't have to air. Somebody took a horrific injury in, in an accident. You could have cut that off entirely. And, and you know, instead, they're going out and, and crassly marketing the fact that one of their workers is recklessly sloppy and, and shouldn't have a job right now and trying to turn that into an angle. They've got a T-shirt out. They've got the whole thing. They're uh, showing alternate angles of, of the incident online. And uh, it's repulsive. And uh, I'm really kind of disappointed in Anthem. Uh, I, I'm really disappointed in Impact's management, and I think this whole thing's been just handled terribly. Yeah, a, a lot to unpack there. Uh, let's begin with with this notion of whether it was accidental. or I mean, Clearly, it was accidental, right? But what is a wrestler's responsibility in a situation like that? Now, I don't know if you saw Eddie Edwards talking about this on TMZ, but um, he sort of, uh, uh, I guess, gave an explanation. He was almost doing a better job of, of defending Callahan than Callahan was. Uh, but he talked about yeah. how, I, I guess, the, the chair just slipped from where it was supposed to be. And uh, as he said, the bat was supposed to hit the chair. Uh, the, the last fraction of a, a second, the chair moved and um, it hit him. If that spot goes as it's supposed to and the the bat hits the chair, we're not having this conversation uh, Sammy should not be getting fired. Nobody, you know, it's just another forgettable spot in a match that relatively few people uh, watch. So right. um, I am, I, I won't go so far as to say this is kind of a fireable um, offense. Um, I do think bigger picture, it talks, of, uh, it, 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 it is sort of an indictment on one of, um, the big problems uh, in, in wrestling. Wrestling is is inherently dangerous, right? I mean, um, and there's no way around that because at the well, end of the day, what yes. you're doing is you're you're trying to make it look like you're trying to hurt someone while going out of your way to not to to not hurt that person. Exactly. Um, and at the risk of at the risk of sounding too old fashioned here, the the thing that I would say to that quickly is that wrestling is inherently dangerous because you are throwing people and, and you know, but that's why you're a worker. You're working together to, to try to ensure safety. Once you bring in a prop, a gimmick, yeah, an outside weapon, if you're using that now, that's your responsibility. That's not wrestling anymore. This is now something else. And the thing is a, a prop, like a baseball bat, number one, you can do what sting used to do and have kind of a gimmick bat. That's, mm-hmm. that's, it's a rubber bat. Um, or uh, the thing is a baseball bat, 
it, it, inherently it looks ridiculous because if somebody gets hit with a baseball bat, bones are breaking. We yeah, just saw you're going to kill it, them. It, yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like Triple H's bat, uh, hammer, you know, sledgehammer. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. So it, it's a silly thing to have in there anyway. If anything, it destroys the willing suspension of disbelief yes. fan, of the fans have. So whenever Callahan or whoever came up with this spot, the agent in back, uh, and for me, it's like, hey, I'm going to go out there and hit this guy with the bat. Well, why would he do that? That's stupid. People are going to know it's like right. It, it should have been stopped right there. But the fact that an agent greenlit it, they let it out, go out there, executed, put a chair in there to make it even more convoluted and, and impractical and then aired on TV. It just reeks of Bush League crap. Yeah, but yeah. That's that's my opinion. The, the, I feel like the bigger picture is that because of its nature, again, this this art form, the sport, what you want to call it, where the the magic is to try to make it look like you're hurt, hurting someone while not hurting them. That is um, on at at best such a kind of like tenuous thing um, to do. And if if you can do it really well, the real masters. Um, are are great at that, right? I mean, even if it's something as as simple as throwing a worked punch that looks great, but um, you know doesn't doesn't hurt at all. It's such an art form to do that right, just within the confines of a match, a ring, my body, your body, the ropes, um, the mat, all that stuff. Uh, you know, and even in that context, there's a lot of moves that look like crap that I wish wrestlers would never do because. Uh, again, the, uh, a good wrestling match. Uh, it it again, it's so kind of fragile, right? Because and and it's the thing that people who aren't wrestling fans um, don't get because it's this whole issue of uh, suspension uh, of disbelief, you know. And and if you ever watch wrestling with somebody who's not a fan, uh, my youngest son now all the time, this is so fake. This is so fake. And and oh, the, the the point is. You know that I know that the, the this works its best when you're able to turn that off and just enjoy it. Um, and you know, I think back to that Johnny Gargano um, Andrade Sinyamas match. I mean, just yes. an excellent match for that half hour. Nobody is thinking, you know, how fake or not this is. Uh, my my point is again that being so kind of fragile. Something as as soon as you grab a baseball bat, the illusion is broken, right? And and yep. that's the the case with all kinds of weapons. I'll give you another example: the goofy um, Symphony of Destruction match on on Monday with uh, Braun Strowman and what's his name Elias that ends with him dumping a piano on him that clearly didn't make any kind of contact. That you know, it, it, and it just takes you out of it. So the the point is, yes, you can forgive Eddie Edwards or the agent or um, uh, Callahan, whoever, for uh, a slip-up with this bat. If everything went right, nobody would get hurt. But the best way to ensure that that doesn't happen is don't introduce the stupid bat into um, into the match. And again, this is not something that is exclusive to, to TNA. All wrestling companies do this, right? Um, yeah. And th there are weapons that um, are safer than others but also the safer the weapon the crappier it looks right so um a, a baseball bat is out of the question because you can't really safely use a baseball bat and if you do you end up use, doing one of those really lame 
uh, uh, things where you take the head of the the bat and you hit him with the gut. Yeah, no, yeah. Like you would never hit somebody with a bat, right? Yeah. Um. So what can you grab and and really hit somebody hard with, like you would with a bat? A kendo stick. You can do that, but it looks like crap because it looks like a bunch of straw, you know. Or you can put somebody through a paper thin table. So yeah. Um. And again, I'm I'm all for the occasional gimmick match. I get it. I I enjoy it. Uh, but you know, there's two reasons not to do it. For one, um, to do it safely, very often it doesn't look very good, very believable. It breaks the 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 illusion. Or two, it's really dangerous, right? So if it if it doesn't go right, then it's really really dangerous. Um, and this is kind of an extreme example. But guys get whacked all the time with chairs, or you know, I was just watching. Um, mixed match challenge uh, last night. You talk about a lot of people not watching Impact. Um, uh, I was watching, uh, and it was Jimmy Uso and Naomi versus Braun Strowman and, uh, and Alexa. Alexa, and a fun match. And it ended with uh, Strowman uh, power slamming Uso through a table. It looked like it basically went about as as safe as you can, but um, it looked to me that uh, Jimmy Uso's head came down on the corner of the table where there was the least give. And it looks like he was fine. I haven't heard anything otherwise, but it's that kind of, you know, I just want to enjoy the match. And at the end of that, it's a great, it's a big spectacular spot, but, and, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm appreciating it. it it's fun, but there's that little piece of me that's like, Oh, I, I hope he's okay. You know? Yeah, and it, and it's, it's that I'm, kind of thing that just, you know, there's no need for it. Right. I mean, is that going to build a program between Uso yeah. and, and Braun Strowman? No, it's it's just, I mean, why? For for Facebook audiences? I mean, yeah. it's it's, a, it's literally a novelty match. It's a novelty tournament. I mean, it, there's no stakes to it. It's, it's just ridiculous. But yeah, and I get that they're trying to do a little bit more social media and get people to, you know, I think that's a good idea and, and turn people on to it that way and explore Facebook is another way to get matches out there. That's all very cool. But yeah, if you're doing a weapon spot or a dangerous spot, a spot that's in, either inherently dangerous or has the capability of being dangerous, then then think about whether it's worth doing, why you're doing it, if it needs to be done, or if there's a safer way to go about doing it. And again, in my opinion, if, if you're going to go and accept that risk and use that weapon, any other job, if, if you injure somebody on the job, hey, it was an accident, hey. Sorry, you're still fired. I yeah. mean, we, we can't have that happening here. You yeah. know, maybe six months later you bring them back and say, okay, but, you know, nonetheless, if you step in that ring and imagine this, and just, and it's not that insane to think about, what if Eddie Edwards died in the ring? Sure. I mean, yeah. he just got clobbered in the head with the baseball bat, internal bleed, anything could have happened. We could have literally seen a death in the ring. And would Impact air the match then? I mean, it, it's just... That, that doesn't need to happen. You can uh, apply a hold. These guys are both great wrestlers. Sammy's a good worker. He was ridiculously sloppy in that moment just from setting up the chair to going to deliver. I think he might have just been gassed or exhausted at that point in the match and maybe he just got a little sloppy. And again, the, the chair did wobble. But Eddie's a great worker. Sammy's normally very good. They could have done a dozen different holds or moves that, that looked better, were safer, and told the story more effectively. And again... They didn't, and and look what happened. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's sort of the point is that 
there was no need for this. And, and you know, these conversations always come up within the context of um, in WWE, like blood not being allowed anymore, right? So they say, well, how are you going to have uh, a cage match or Hell in a Cell and be throwing each other into the cages and nobody ever bleeds? And on one hand, um, I understand that argument, right? On the other hand, I totally understand why WWE um, is banned like blading and, and blood, and I, I think it's the right move. But it's hard for those two things to coexist, right? So it's like if, if you're going to ban blood um, and, you know, even I still think to, to Daniel Bryan being fired all those years ago for, for the necktie as far yeah. when he was choking him. So if you're going to ban like these these violent moves or, or um, uh you know, certain moves that are perceived as super violent. You can't also be booking, you know, these uh, violent matches, right? So they kind of want to have their cake um, and eat it too. And what happens is uh, you end up sort of halfway on both. So you have a violent match where none of it looks particularly believable or dangerous. And again, they're going through the balsa wood tables or or whatever. Yeah. Or oh you God, have yeah. this, you know, you have um, uh, a dangerous spot that goes bad and somebody gets seriously hurt. All that said, right, if uh, Impact handled this with an apology, if, if you know, publicly uh, Callahan's response was to go out there and say, uh, you know, pretty much what Eddie Edwards said, this was a planned spot, it went wrong, I feel terrible about it, you know, we're going to take precautions um, to make sure something like that doesn't happen again. I get the old school carny thing of yeah, you work it us... into an angle, but it but it's right. a different time. You know, you, you you did that back, you know, when, when kayfabe was still a thing, um, you you could do that and you would get heat for an angle. Um, I in, in 2018, I don't I don't think it does you any good. I mean, is anybody what about that spot or um, what Callahan tried to make out of it is going to make fans watch Impact more. Um, uh, unless what they're trying to say is, hey, stay tuned. We're going to do more, you know, really irresponsible, careless spots, and maybe he'll lose the other eye, that kind of thing. Nothing about that makes Impact any more uh, uh, appealing, attractive, makes fans want to watch Impact more, and it just makes them look really Bush League which is the last thing that they can afford. Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah, because the perception is already that they're they're so super bush league and and um, you know, I, again, I went to Ring of Honor this past Saturday, and it's been a while since I went to an ROH show. But I think it's fair to say that I mean the numbers already they they had eclipsed um, Impact, uh, but now production uh, value, all of it, they're they're so far ahead. And you watch Impact; it is such. Um, and, and look, I think there's there's people over there who uh, you always need this caveat, right? I mean, I think they're they're uh, trying new things and there's some smart people and there's been some management changes for the, the better in creative. Uh, but this, uh, I think it's a, a real low point. I don't think and put impact um, aside for a moment. It's sort of um, especially interesting, I think, that it that happens with these two guys, because in some ways, they, I don't want to say they personify what impact is, but 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 they are both similar. That uh, in that once upon a time these were guys who uh, really had some some cachet on the independent scene, uh, were were talked about, 
as this, you know, up and coming stars uh, of the independents. And uh, both of them, I, I think, um, to a lesser extent, Edwards, who, who I think still basically has a pretty good reputation, uh, but not what it was years ago, and very much Callahan, especially after, you know, sort of flunking out of WWE. Uh, this this does them both, uh, it doesn't do them any favors. I think it, it hurts the reputation of, of both guys. <coughs> Again, more so Callahan than, than Edwards. Edwards was just on the receiving end of this, and I think basically he's handled himself well in, in the aftermath. But even that this was on TMZ and that Impact was so... Uh, like eager and sort of happy to be there on TMZ, and and you see the interview with Edwards, and he's kind of all smiles, and it's like, hey, I get to be interviewed on TMZ, like you know, like a big boy. It just reeks <laughs> of of it just does. bush it, league, you know. It reminds me a lot of ways of the the dying days of WCW, where just because they're getting publicity, they think it's good. And yeah. Like David Arquette is world champion. Hey, or you know, people openly making fun of the product because Jay Leno is wrestling Hulk Hogan. And, and the people in charge think it's good and, and they're just selling that, you know, hey, never mind the big gaping hole in the hull. We'll keep selling the ship straight forward and keep the chart, you know, maintain the path. That's the exact same thing that's happening with Impact. And I know you said a lot of talented and smart people, a lot of talented people on the roster. But, man, in my opinion, when it comes to creative and when it comes to management, I don't think there's a smart one in the room. I mean, I, I really have not. And it's not just this. I mean, keep in mind. That Laurel Van Ness, there, who was the knockouts champion, opted to leave and not re-sign her contract as champion. I mean, she lost the belt on TV uh, to, to Allie and everything. But, I mean, people, they're, they're not doing a good job with what they have. They've got a really talented locker room, and they're somehow underproducing and putting out lousy TV. And that's that's inexcusable. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like having the, the Rangers, uh, when the Rangers were a— uh, a bit of a powerhouse, or, or not a powerhouse, but you had all this talent that you were paying top dollar for, bringing in all these free agents, and the team still couldn't make the playoffs. You know, yeah. that's that's kind of what what impact's all about right now. And and even uh, those days of of WCW when when they uh, were trying for all those publicity stunts, you know, I don't know who it would be, but somewhere there were some David Arquette fans who said, "Oh, that's really cool. I'm going to tune in." To, to WCW to watch that, or maybe you got some of Jay Leno's Tonight Show audience um, to tune in. Who tunes into Impact because Eddie uh, uh, Sammy Callahan accidentally hit Eddie Edwards in the head with a bat? Un- unless the claim is that they're going to do it again and and again and again. Nothing about that story uh, presented Impact in in any kind of light that would make fans want to watch more. It wasn't. Um, well, up until this match, we were having, you know, one of the best matches in North America over the last year. Everybody was talking about it up until that point. Uh, there was nothing. I mean, it was just like it, it was like a YouTube freak show kind of thing, um, but but nothing that would drive people to watch Impact. Uh, so, yeah, I, I you know, and and do you know what maybe would have uh, driven some people and, and it would have been negligible. But again, an act of class. Uh, uh, something, you know, something out of the ordinary. You know, if they wanted to shock fans, be shocking by saying what we did was really stupid and we and we promised never to do it again and we feel terrible about it. I think that would have gone further in buying some uh, goodwill with fans and uh, maybe having a few people check them out. I think uh, 
this kind of story just reinforces the the worst opinions of impact and everybody who's not watching sort of says yeah there's nothing to see over there i mean they they're as bush league as ever so uh yeah i think they really fell on their face in this one and and uh yeah that's too bad uh anyhow let, let's talk a little bit uh wwe and again since we last spoke we, we were speculating a lot in the last podcast about what matches might be coming together for wrestlemania now we know what some of those matches are uh they were pretty much what I expected. Um, uh, it is going to be Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey versus Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. Um, I guess official as of Monday night. Why don't we begin uh, by that? What do you think about uh, what we've seen of Ronda Rousey uh, the last couple of weeks? I got to say, I've been pleasantly uh, in impressed. Uh, you know, when all we saw of her was uh, uh, the Royal Rumble and it was that sort of I'm so happy to be here kind of thing, the big smile and awkwardly pointing uh, to the WrestleMania sign. Uh, I really didn't know whether this was going to work out. Uh, and I'm not saying she's going to win any uh, Oscars for her performances in the last couple of weeks, but I think they've been fine, especially for somebody um, with at, at her level of experience in WWE. I think the, the appeal of Ronda Rousey in UFC... Um, you know, that character, and for some people it wasn't particularly appealing, but I think she's tapped into it enough that that is the character you want. I mean, she's scowling, that pouty face, putting Triple H through a table, kind of always ready to to, to pick a fight, pull your arm off, um, and fans have responded. So uh, I think it's actually going pretty well. I agree. I, um, I was skeptical. Uh, I think I mentioned this uh, a week or two back uh, on the show here, but in, in the book that uh, I did, the Sisterhood of the Squared Circle, we, we talk about the history of women's wrestling, and we end with, you know, what's the future? And we speculated the same thing, Ronda Rousey against Stephanie McMahon at WrestleMania. Uh, my co-author, Pat LaProd, thought that that was a huge match, and I, I, to this day, I still think that Stephanie's the wrong opponent, but I know why they're doing it. Um, but at first, I thought, you know, I don't think Ronda will be able to make that transition to pro wrestling, I had a lot of doubts that somebody could come in and, and be able to um, just go from that one sport to the other. Um, and over the past year or two, um, I've come around completely. Uh, I think that Ronda, even when in retrospect, looking at her performance at the Royal Rumble being a little bit stilted, um, it makes sense. In, in kayfabe and character, she was coming out there and she was still a little bit new in the ring and everything else. And she should show steady improvement week in and week out. And I think she's doing that. It's it's helping uh, her kind of get over, and I, I think it's working really well. And when yeah. it does come time for her to to work a full match, uh, whether Stephanie and Triple H will be the right opponents, but when it's time for her to really go, I think she's going to really surprise a lot of people. Uh, I'm less convinced that she uh, is going to be all that good in the ring. I don't know that she's going to be bad, but I think there's just the reality about how much progress you can make in such a, a short amount of time. I guess she first started training sometime last fall. Um, so it, it's not nothing, right? I mean, she's got a few months, but when your first real full-scale match is at WrestleMania, um, you know, th th there's a lot of room for nerves and, and that kind of thing. That said, she's going to be surrounded by at least two real pros in, in Triple H and, and Kurt Angle. And um, I imagine... Her time in the ring is going to be limited. She, Her exposure is going to be very limited. I think they will put this match together, kind of one of those Pat Patterson specials 
uh, lots of smoke and mirrors. I think it'll just be it'll be just fine. I was more concerned with the other part of it, the 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 promos, the the comfort comfort level, the personality. And she's done enough over the last few weeks to kind of convince me that she'll be just fine there, um, that I'm, I'm less concerned. And, and I think it is a absolutely um, WrestleMania-worthy, marquee spectacle uh, match. Uh, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, that, that, that's it. Good, good deal there. Um, what else? All this stuff with John Cena. Uh, so now John Cena, maybe by the time you're listening to this, we'll, we'll have a, a clearer picture um, with Fastlane coming this Sunday, I don't sense anything is going to happen at Fastlane that's going to uh, play too affect WrestleMania too much. That is to say, I expect AJ Styles to to retain. I guess theoretically, um, Shane, uh, not Shane, what's his name, uh, uh, John Cena could win, and they could do that triple threat. I I don't think that realistically that's going to happen. It looks like um, it it would be Undertaker and um, Cena. Um, and I love that. I think it's fantastic. I mean, do, do you, I, I know some people are uneasy about, uh, you know, triple, uh, undertaker coming out of retirement. I think he deserves a pass and that he never really quite said he was retired. And either way, this match is just too big to, to pass up. Yeah. It's, it's a match whose time is, has kind of come and gone. I mean, it should have happened eight years ago, seven years ago. Uh, Cena should have been the guy to end the, the streak, or even if he wasn't, you know, he he would be a, a great victim for the dead man if you want to keep it intact. Um, but I mean, the, in, at any point, I mean, because it would have been great to really use that WrestleMania stage to to pass the torch and get a younger guy over. Instead, you're putting over, you know, well, even if he doesn't win, you're giving that spot to John Cena, who's at the tail end of his own career. Um, so it's more of just kind of a legends match that we've never seen or at least haven't seen since uh, when Cena first came into WWE as a, as a heel on SmackDown back in, what, 2005, 2006? But in any case, um, I, I think that it's it's a good match. It's a match that will, has a lot of uh, interest. I think that that could be your main, your main event, um, should be your main event, I'd imagine. Um, but it would... I had this thought about Undertaker retiring last year. And the more I think about it, you know, like you said, he never officially retired. He did leave the things in the middle of the ring and, and left and did the, the emotional salute goodbye. But in retrospect, and being that I was there in that building that day, um, I think it might have just been a brilliant move to kind of take the heat off Roman Reigns. Um, because in that moment, everybody just poured their hearts out for The Undertaker and he got that that emotional babyface ending for WrestleMania and allowed people to kind of not go home unhappy that Roman Reigns had had won, but went home happy thinking that they they were there for the Undertaker's yeah. last hurrah. So in retrospect, you know, it, it may feel like it cheapened his actual retirement a little bit, but it was just a necessary step. I think that they think that they probably thought they had to take at that time to send that crowd home happy and and viewers obviously online. But no, uh, Cena Undertaker, I think, would be a, a fantastic match, and I'd, I'd like to see it. Yeah, one one takeaway from from all that, I hope that, um, you know, this results in a lot fewer people doing the whole retirement thing. I mean, do you do you need to do that? And I mean, growing up, like, did, did we, uh, you know, pick any star of the 80s and 90s who isn't wrestling today because they're way too old to be wrestling, um, except for, for a few who still are? 
Uh, but I mean, do you remember a a retirement match or retirement ceremony? No, they just stopped wrestling after a while, and yeah, I mean, because they couldn't or they too. wouldn't get booked or they were too old or or whatever. And there's something to be said for like, oh, but then they they overstay their welcome. But this is their job, right? I mean, like yeah. they do this for a living, so keep on doing it until you don't want to do it anymore. Or you, or, or you know, or it's it's unsafe, or or you know, it, it it'd be different if. There were doctors who wouldn't clear the Undertaker or something like that, um, but and and obviously he's banged up, you know. Uh, he I don't know if he needs the money, but this whole idea that like, well, you said you were retired, so now you can't undo it because now you know you it's already out there. Like oh, God, let the guy do it as long as he wants to do it. Well, and I mean, back in the old days, you'd have the loser leaves town where somebody would just go to another territory rather than right. this. But you did have you, you rarely did a wrestler. Uh, historically speaking, have the luxury of retiring on on his own. It would either be, you know, injury or age or just lack of opportunities or, or whatever. It, it's very rare that you actually had a wrestler who would, you know, kind of look back at their 401k and their planning and, hey, I think it's time to retire. You know, I've got my investments properly in order. I mean, th that's not the way the business has always been. Guys just went until they just could not go any longer. So Undertaker's got that that kind of benefit where he can make those decisions. But yeah, yeah. Um, what else is on on the card? I guess uh, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar is official for now. What did you uh, or what do you make of the the handling of it so far? Uh, Brock no showing that episode of of Raw. Uh, you know there there's a lot of speculation about whether. That was the plan all along, whether it was a deliberate attempt to get fans to kind of turn on Brock and, and support Roman Reigns. Um, and the, the, the talk and WWE clearly playing into it that he's negotiating with UFC again might, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's pretty much where we were <coughs> was three years ago now when, when contra uh, Brock's last contract was up right around this time. He was negotiating with, with UFC, playing both sides against each other. Um you know, th does any of this make you any more or less uh, intrigued by, by this match at WrestleMania? It doesn't make me more intrigued by the match itself. But uh, again, I do like, from a tactical point of view, I, I think it is a, a strategy that WWE has to try to get uh, Brock booed and, and try to make Roman Reigns the, the default babyface. Because in that match, I mean, fans do like Brock Lesnar. He's even as a heel, I mean, he's just such a, a, a monster. And he, he, whenever he only wrestles a handful of times a year, so he's a big match guy. And, you know, the fans who go to WrestleMania, they're smart fans, and they know two things. They know to hate John Cena and to hate Roman Reigns, right? So you put Roman Reigns in the main event again, the fans are going to boo at that crowd at that stage, and they're going to support Brock Lesnar. And the only way to possibly turn that tide, even 20 30%, is to finally just say, you know something, this guy doesn't even want to be here. I'm busting my ass. I'm doing this. Play that. Barry Brock. It's good business, um, and, and that's what I think it is. Um, so kudos for them for, for having the, the knowledge of, you know, that's what the reaction is going to be, so let's see what we can do to fight it. I just wish that they had the sense to say, well, if that's the reaction that it's going to be, maybe we should change the booking plans. Like maybe <laughs> yeah. we shouldn't build everything about Roman Reigns and we have to do all these things with Undertaker leaving his stuff in the ring and turning Brock Lesnar hit. Like maybe instead of forcing this guy down everyone's throat and, and just finding ways for the fans to not hate him as much, they change things up and maybe, you know, build somebody else up. Yeah. And and one of the, the really uh, 
kind of fascinating things about that whole match is, you know, it is the alleged payoff to, you know, years of, of building Brock Lesnar until somebody finally topples him. And, and for years, the speculation has been that it was going to be Roman Reigns. So this is sort of like the ultimate climax to uh, the whole Brock Lesnar and the Roman Reigns experiment, for that matter. And as you touched on, I don't even think it would go on last. I don't even, I mean, maybe it's it's third from the top um, in, in terms of, of intrigue for, for WrestleMania, but it is it doesn't feel like the main event of, of WrestleMania. Um, but past that, I'll give you one match that feels even less like a, a WrestleMania main event. And that is the WWE world heavyweight championship match. Um, AJ Styles and Nakamura, you know, months ago, if, 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 uh, you know, fans were told that, or at least a certain kind of fan that this would happen at WrestleMania, uh, you know, they, they couldn't wait. It, it, it's like this dream match. Uh, and here we are a few weeks away, you know, granted, I imagine they will ramp up the hype after Fastlane when the, the title picture is clearer and uh, AJ is done with, with, you know, that six-pack challenge. But I think the, the bigger picture is, uh, you know, the whole Nakamura experiment. It, it He just doesn't feel like that big a player, even after winning the Royal Rumble. Um, I feel like he's hardly even on television, you know, uh, when when he is. It's not treated like all that big a deal. I don't know that among the, the, the mainstream casual fans, the support, the support is really there. So, uh, you know, again, I don't, you know, this is the kind of match that I don't know if I'd be surprised if I saw it open WrestleMania. Um, and, and it's really a shame because it's the kind of match that on paper, uh, you know, you would want given lots of time and really the biggest stage. But at least until this point, it just it really doesn't feel like that big a deal. This match in, in a previous bygone era would have been the Intercontinental title match. Yeah. Um, it would have been the Ricky's uh, Steamboat Randy Savage match. It, it's going to be the best match on the card. It's going to blow everyone else away. And um, it, it's, But it, it's not presented like a world title match or a main event or anything like that. And, you know, Nakamura, yes, WWE hasn't done a, a great job with him since they brought him up to the main roster. I thought him winning the Rumble was cool, but it felt rushed because he hadn't really been groomed that way. You know, I mean, he was losing matches to Jinder Mahal. Yeah, I mean, just it it, it didn't make sense. Um, but I, I really think that for me, number one, it's the the match I I most want to see out of WrestleMania, and number two, Nakamura's entrance, where yeah. you have that crowd singing along with the the violin and everything. It, it mentally, I think that's going to be like the great moment from WrestleMania. And I think that that reaction from that crowd, that's again, kind of a smarter crowd and, and everything else. I think that can be the thing that uh, Nakamura or that Nakamura so desperately needs to become that megastar. I think that he's going to come out of this uh, bigger than he came into it, uh, which is rare with WrestleMania. But um, at least that's my hope is that this will be his moment where he'll finally click and finally really kind of live up to what he can uh, achieve to the point where even WWE's mismanagement can't really ruin that. Well, to that end, uh, I actually might, you know, hope for it to go on early because the other thing that happens at WrestleMania is it goes really long, right? So it's these seven-hour shows or what have you. And I think of some matches over the years that should have gotten a lot better reception than they did, uh, but for crowds just being exhausted. Uh, And... It's all to say, 
I think uh, a placement and timing and going with kind of the rhythm of the crowd is going to be really important um, for the whole show, but maybe in particular for this match, because it's important that it is uh, it goes before a crowd that is into it and wants to see it. Um, because if you got two guys going out there really trying to put on the match of their lives and they're doing it in front of a dead crowd, uh, that'd be yeah, a but real shame. You're- if you're at WrestleMania and you're not into or are up for seeing AJ Styles versus Nakamura, just sell your ticket now, man, <laughs> because like that's going to be an amazing match. And that's, you know, they, they could go on at hour 11. And I think those two, those I two guys, know. Are still t- you know, I remember last year and granted, I mean, this was Roman Reigns and Undertaker. So hardly uh, right, AJ right. and, and uh, uh, Nakamura, but you know, what was Undertaker's alleged retirement? Um, you know, one of the biggest stars in the history of the sport, I remember by whatever it was, close to midnight or after midnight, it was just like enough already. Leave the ring, roll credits, you know, because um, <laughs> it was it was so long at that point. All right, uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, thank you so much, Dan. I'm sure we'll talk uh, at least a couple more times before WrestleMania as we get closer to the show. Yeah, remember the, the first person to email us in, we'll get a copy of the magazine out to you again, even if I have to put it in the mail myself. <laughs> yes, again, I'll, it's PWI I'll podcast at Outlook dot com. There you go. I'll hop in my truck. I'll show up at your doorstep. I'll, I'll bring you a copy. With a stack of books also and uh, DVDs. Yeah, <laughs> Sister Turtle is Quirt Circle, $20. Yeah. So I'll sign it for you. I got a free bookmark if you like. All right. All right, Dan. Thank you so much. We'll do it again. Uh, right now, let's hear from one half of the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, Chris Saban. So, so coming back to New York, I don't know how often. Um, has it been a while since you wrestled here in New York, or, or was it just the last Ring of Honor show here? Yeah, the last Ring of Honor was the last time I was there. Yeah, I mean, are, are you among those that looks at New York as kind of the, the mecca of pro wrestling? Is it always a treat to come here and wrestle? Yeah, it's definitely a treat. Uh, Hammerstein is one of the coolest venues to wrestle in. Uh, the fans there are always special. Like, they always have a lot of energy. They, you know, it's just, you know, as a performer, it's one of the best places to perform. Yeah, yeah. And how are you enjoying this latest run uh, with, with Ring of Honor? I mean, you're a veteran now, and I know... Uh, you've crossed paths with, with our wife a lot of times over the years. But um, is the, their, their biggest business year ever was uh, 2017 and even bigger potentially in store. Um, do, do you feel that? Do you feel that energy of, of a company that's really on a rise? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just judging by the houses, uh, you know, houses are up, attendance is up. Um, just being able to see that and be a part of that is really cool. Um, I'm seeing, you know, my friends, you know, just achieving unparalleled levels of success as, to, you know, anyone has uh, on the outside of the machine WWE before. So, and it's just been a really cool ride. What do you, uh, uh, to what do you attribute uh, Ring of Honor's latest success? I mean, the, to some extent, the formula is what it's always been, you know, really, uh, uh, high athleticism, kind of the, the premiere of athletic wrestling. Uh, they peppered that with a little more uh, sort of fight sports entertainment over the last year, I think, last couple of years with, with the Young Bucks and, and some more personality-driven characters like Dalton Castle. Do you, do you think that's just all kind of clicking right now? Yeah, I definitely think it's clicking. You know, the Ring of Honor has always uh, – stuck to its core when it comes down to it by emphasizing, you know, like you said, the high athletic style uh, and, the, and their willingness to, um, you know, work with outside promotions too, you know, like 
Uh, Ring of Honor allows their fans to see New Japan wrestlers, which they're not going to see anywhere else. Um, they allow them to see wrestlers from CMLL. Um, you know, they bring in independent guys. You know, they're very open as far as who they use. So you get to see a wide variety of talent at Ring of Honor, too, which I think, you know, helps attribute to their success. Yeah, yeah. And you teaming with uh, Alex, uh, you guys are tag team champions. You've been a team for a long time. I'm always interested in talking to guys who are really part of, like, an entrenched tag team act uh, because so much of, of your career, right, as long as you're, you're part of that team, is dependent on somebody else and dependent on you guys uh, getting along and having a good relationship. So can you talk a bit about that? I mean, um, uh, are you guys close friends and – how important is it to be close friends to have a successful tag team act? Uh, yeah, we're definitely close friends. Um, I think that's that's probably a big reason why we've been teaming for so long and why we, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as, like, one partner affecting the other, like, yeah, I mean, we can speak for that very well on, uh, like, when I was injured, for example, you know, like, you know, we were part of the, uh, the tag team together. And then the first time when, or, you know, when – we split up, kind of, and, you know, not as a team, but he had to stay and do single stuff when I injured my knee. So, you know, there's always that, you know, so there's always a level of uh, reliance you have to have on your partner. But at the same time, you know, you have to be realistic and understand that, you know, things happen and people get injured. And um, But, you know, you just go with the flow. You stay good friends. You know, at the end of the day, if you're good friends, it doesn't really matter what happens because, you know, the most important thing is the friendship. Yeah. Is there uh, uh, any sort of challenge in that? Inevitably, when when you you go into the wrestling business, right? I mean, you know, I guess not everybody, but but most people, the dream is single success, right? So whether it's becoming a world champion as as you've been, that kind of thing, um, that being married to this other partner uh, kind of puts restrictions on that. Or, or the flip side of that, when you do have single success, does it potentially create any resentment on, on the other partners, or is it just, you know, good feeling, good for you, pride, that sort of thing? Well, I, I hope it would be a good feeling and good for you and pride. I know I would feel that way for, you know, let's say if uh, Alex went on to be a single star and became a world champion, you know, of course I would be happy for him. I'm happy for, you know, if, you, if you're truly friends with someone, you're going to be happy for their success. Yeah, yeah. And did you feel that when, when the times you've been on your own and, uh, the, the world title run in TNA, what was the feedback from, from Alex? Was it all just, you know, good for you? Actually, we never even talked about it. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Uh, what, and, and when you finally, when you do get back together, what, what is that? After you've done your own thing for a while and you guys get back together, is it just kind of going back? Is it, is it just the, the proverbial getting back on the bicycle? Uh, everything clicks again? Uh, I, Somewhat, there was a learning curve, you know, when we first started teaming, like, I, we definitely weren't as crisp or at the top of our game that we have been before in the past. You know, it, it's going to take some work, obviously, on both sides to, you know, be able to try and get that magic back. And I think we've worked really hard since we started teaming again. And, uh, you know, I think we're firing all cylinders again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I was, I was, before the interview, I was looking at some past interviews uh, that you did, and I saw something where uh, – you made no bones about it. You said that your your goal in wrestling was to come to WWE. And that's not something that I necessarily like asking guys to work for other companies. Uh, but in as much as you're real clear about it, 
is that still your goal? I mean, and now you're you're what 36 years old. Uh, is 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 that still what you're working toward, uh, or have you found satisfaction doing some of these other ventures? Uh, you know, I mean, that's that's coming from you know the point of view of you growing up as a kid. You know what I mean? That of course, you know, when I was 11 years old and wrestling just kind of took over my life. Uh, you know, I watched WWF. That's what I had access to, and I would, you know, record Monday Night Raw every week and everything. You know, I had I have so many barrel um, tubs of wrestling tapes, old wrestling tapes, which I really need to get a VCR because I want to watch those again. But uh, so you know that I mean, as you grow older, it's like I think you just more have to let things happen. I mean, you still have to work hard and try to like reach your full potential, be the best you can possibly be, but you know, understand that, you know, life isn't fair just because, you know, you want something to happen doesn't necessarily mean that it will, but you can yeah. do your best to try and uh, focus on that and work towards it. So as long as I, you know, work my hardest to be as successful as I can and just leave like a positive mark on wrestling, then I'll be happy. Um, but of course, that's always in the back of my, you know, the part of my brain that still relates to 11 year old me who just yeah, professional wrestling. What, what, when you see uh, the, the trend in WWE, how much they've really been going after the best guys from the independent scene, everybody outside WWE, and not just that, seem to be open to get guys who are later in their careers. You see them, um, you know, signing Bobby Fischer, I think it was 41 when they, they got him, and Roderick Strong, guys who were, were probably where, where you are um, in, in their career, guys who have been at this for a long time, uh, does that give you some renewed hope? Does it sort of kind of like, you know, give you a little spark that maybe this could happen? Well, I, I tell you what, I think that's a good thing, and that's just, uh, you know, a good thing to know and a good thing to keep in mind. Yeah, yeah, but not necessarily anything keeping you up at night or anything like that. No, it doesn't keep me up at night. Yeah, yeah. Um, can I have you revisit uh, that, that last, uh, wonder if it was your last time in TNA, what is now Impact, but but the world title ring. Uh, I was reading you talking about that and, and how uh, maybe you felt it came a little early. Uh, now having, you know, years of, to, to look back on, uh, is, is it just a good memory? Uh, did, did you feel like it wasn't what it could have been? Yeah, I mean, I have no, like, uh, like resentful or bad feelings towards it, like, I just, when I talk about it, you know, I'm explaining what I felt at the time and looking back at it, what I think about it, doesn't mean it, it, it bothers me now because it doesn't, you know, it, it, whatever it happened and, you know, we move on. But, but yeah, I mean, it was like, I mean, if I had to pick any time within my career to like have had a world title run, that was like quite possibly the worst time possible. I mean, <laughs> I was, I was out for two years, almost two years straight. Uh, and then several years before my injuries happened, I was a tag team wrestler. So, like, I, I was just disappointed in everything because, it, with the exception of the one, two, three, when that happened and, like, I heard the crowd when mm -hmm. I actually won the match, that was really cool. That was one of the coolest moments of my career. So, I mean, I, I'm so grateful for that and the experience. But, uh, um, so, you know, like, like I said, if, 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 um, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have chosen my world title run to go that way. You know, if I was like trying to pick my ideal way. So, you know, but it, you know, you can't regret things like that. You can't uh, dwell on them. You just got to move on. You know, but it's it's good to look back and just know and see what you think of what happens. Yeah, yeah. And I was just watching it before getting on the phone with you, and that was like a, a legit, real pop, right? I mean, the, the kinds that 
you don't always hear, but there was a real kind of like uh, a release of excitement and relief when you won that um, when you won that match. Uh, is that something that makes you kind of feel emotional? I mean, that 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 level of feeling, that level of appreciation from fans. Yes, absolutely. That's that's what I do it for. Just uh, if I can, you know, do something to spread that kind of positive energy, then you know, it's all worth it. If I can inspire one person, it's all worth it. You know, it's just, you know, it, at the end of the day, you just want to leave leave a positive mark on the world by following your passion and doing what you love. Yeah, yeah. When you look back, I mean, do you, what do you think was the motivation behind that decision of putting um, the title on you? The, the rain didn't end up lasting that long. When it happened, did you think that this is really going to mark kind of a a change in direction for the company? Um, did you think it was just sort of, you know, shock for shock's sake? Yeah, I felt it was it was shock for shock's sake, definitely. Um, I, there wasn't really much of a buildup for me either. And, you know, they were hot potatoing the exhibition title between Austin Aries and myself right before it happened. So, like, we didn't know that I was going to get the title shot for, like, I don't know, what it was like a week before it even happened. So I knew it was just kind of like a quick thing. And, you know, if – Ideally, I would have liked to have been built up over a year and, you know, found myself as a singles wrestler and then, you know, done things that way. But so, you know, it was, yeah. it was obviously just a quick hot shot thing. Do, do you look back uh, finally kind of as a whole on, on your TNA years? I mean, I think you're one of the guys that probably as much as, as anybody is sort of equated with, with that company because of all the time spent there and all the titles. Are are you okay with that? I mean, are, are you happy that you know that that could be sort of your your wrestling legacy? Oh yeah, for sure, sure. I mean, uh, TNA allowed me for eleven years to make a living off wrestling, and you know what what more could I ask for for that? You know, I was just I, I've been able to make my living as a professional wrestler since I was twenty one years old, and a big part of that is thanks to TNA. So they, at the end of the day, whatever happened there, as far as like stories and all that superficial stuff matters. Like I've been able to make a living off wrestling and I'm happy. Yeah. Watching now sort of evaluating from the outside, what's become of that company. Um, are, are, are you optimistic for, for where they could go? Uh, are you sort of troubled by how much they've sort of shrunk over the last couple of years? No, I think they have some good people running the place now. And I think that still they're, they're moving things in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. And as far as you personally now, uh, you know, getting up up in your 30s, having done this for a long time, uh, how how is it different uh, for you? You know, you're not you're not the young kid anymore. Uh, does, does that change how you carry yourself in the Ring of Honor locker room and other locker rooms that you're a part of? Um, as far as do you feel like you're looked at more in kind of a friend role? Uh, I think so. You know, sometimes guys will ask me to watch the matches or ask my opinion on things. So that that happens a lot more than it happened earlier in my career. So that that's really cool to know that, uh, you know, people respect your opinion enough to ask you of it. Uh, but really, you know, I'm just – I feel like I'm the same guy as, I, as I've always been. You know, I never think of myself above anyone else regardless of how long they have been wrestling compared to how long I've been wrestling. Uh, so, yeah, you know. Yeah, I uh, one one thing I wanted to ask you. I'm I'm a big Ultimate Warrior fan from from way back. One one of the cooler. Well, I mean, I guess under the circumstances, it wasn't that cool. But I was honored to be able to write his uh, obituary um, for Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And 
I'm always uh, fascinated when when I talk to guys who are thought of as, you know, really elite athletic technical workers like yourself, Frankie Kazarian, some others, uh, Daniel Bryan. And when you ask them who their influences are, how often the ultimate warrior comes up? Uh, as a guy who, who, you know, I think people, it, it might be the last person they would equate with that type of wrestler. So I'm always interested in kind of getting um, that perspective. What what was it about the Ultimate Warrior, or, or, or what, what part of the Ultimate Warrior is in you, is in your act, and uh, are, are you bothered at all by, by how much of a bad rap he gets from a certain type of fan and a certain, certain type? Uh, it, it's funny that you say that, because the Ultimate Warrior was one of my favorites, for sure. Absolutely one of my favorites. And, uh, I mean, I used to have... Uh, I used to draw little Ultimate Warrior face paint symbols on like my homework and just sketching. Yeah. That that was one of my regular sketches where I would just sketch little designs of Ultimate Warrior face paint. And um, I remember I broke my hand once uh, playing soccer when I was in high school. Um, and you know, Ultimate Warrior, you know, he was kind of interactive. He had a website and he had an email, and you could email the guy. Um, I emailed him several times. Then I, I actually got um, a return email from him. Uh, when I broke my hand, you know, and I was just telling them uh, how down I was because, you know, I, I, I broke my hand and I had to miss, you know, soccer for a couple of days or whatever, whatever happened. And then he actually emailed me back and he wrote how inspired he was by my uh, email and how I could be whatever I want to be one day. And it was just like the coolest thing, you know, for, for me or whatever. But um, man, I forgot what the, what the original question. I'm just sitting here thinking about cool Ultimate Warrior memories. That's great. I, I guess the question is, you know, how, how much of, of the warrior is in what you do? Because, again, I think people it, – it's the last comparison that a lot of people would make in terms of type of wrestlers. Uh, but, but what can even the, the you know, the, the best wrestler in the world learn from the ultimate warrior? Uh, I think I think just – so when you watch the ultimate warrior, if you're a fan, and I think anyone that loves the ultimate warrior will understand what I'm saying – just that uh, the energy you feel when you see the Ultimate Warrior make his entrance and he runs out and he shakes the ropes or, he, um, you know, you watch his match um, against Hulk Hogan when you beat Hulk Hogan for the title at WrestleMania. Or just, you know, just the feeling that you get from, from watching this guy perform, I think that's a good template to try and make your fans feel that, that, that kind of energy, that kind of, you know, happiness. So, you know, this is awesome, you know, I've got being – so extremely entertained that I'm feeling it physiologically, you know, like I think, you know, maybe that. Yeah, no, I think that's really well said. And I get a little defensive too, because, you know, he's so often sort of the, uh, the, the target and people like to dump on him. And I understand the criticism, right? I mean, not the, the, the Christmas cleanest sort of like most finesse uh, wrestler ever, but I do think that a big part of what works in wrestling he had nailed and doesn't get enough credit for that, you know, and, and I think it's exactly what you're talking about. I mean, it's, it's the ring entrance. It's, it's all of it. It's, it's a feeling that you create, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, last thing again, just do a little bit of research on you before uh, I, I jump on here. You're interview, I guess, been for like gaming magazines and gaming organizations. Um, what, what sort of your take on what's become of, Pro wrestling gaming because I my my kids are huge into gaming. So kind of lost on me. 
but I'm always trying to get them to play the old uh, Super Nintendo Monday Night Raw that we can hit people with a bucket. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, uh, and and I know you were kind of involved in when TNA launched its its game some years back. Uh, so, what's kind of your take on the evolution of, of wrestling video games and and what's become of them? Uh, well, I don't have much of an opinion on today's games because I haven't really played them very much. But um, the, the last ones that I played were the Nintendo 64 uh, games, uh, WCW vs. NWO World Tour, mm-hmm. um, uh, No Mercy, WrestleMania 2000, those ones. And I've kind of – I think those were the peak for me because I never really wanted to give any new wrestling games after that a chance because – just me and my friends had so much fun playing that game. And the 64 had, you know, four controller slots, so four of us could play. So it just, it, it never interested me enough to check them out after that because, it, you know, my buddies weren't there to play along with me. Yeah, yeah. Did did you have your own character in the, uh, the TNA game? Yeah, yeah, actually I did, which was really cool. Yeah, is that kind of a neat thrill to be able to play as you without not having to create yourself, but you're actually in the game? Yeah, yeah, that's. One of the coolest things about uh, wrestling for me, definitely being in a video game, having an action figure like that, I, I, unexplainable. So cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so man, thank you for for taking the time here. I'll, I'll try to put something together uh, again. All right, no problem. Take care, man. Right, take care. Bye.